Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. John chapter 6. Let's look at verses 1 through 14, please. John chapter number 6, verses 1 through 14. The Bible says in John 6, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, verse 2, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Verse 3, and Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company was come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Verse 10, and Jesus said, make them sit down, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, and a number of about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to his disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. In verse 14, the Bible says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. If I can tag this text tonight, if God would give me that liberty, I just want to speak to you on the lad, his lunch, and the lot. The lad, his lunch, and the lot. I believe that God is already in this place, and I believe that God has already answered our prayer to meet with us. But I do want to ask him just to use me for a little bit tonight, and I will be sensitive to your time and also to what the Lord has for us tonight. Father, for a few moments now, we ask that you would speak through me. Lord, I'm aware that your people do not need my human thinking or philosophy or, or any, any of that. They, they need you. Lord, I'm aware of that. And so, God, I ask that you would please flow through me, God, that uh, your people would rejoice in you and that, God, we would walk away from this service having come a little bit closer to Jesus, that we would walk away inspired and motivated transformed, 
charged up, revived to do what you've called us to do. Lord, I promise not to boast, to take credit at all. God, I know who I am. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Father, please receive the glory now and speak through me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe it is humanly impossible for me to adequately describe the event that took place that day. The crowds have followed Jesus for a couple days, weeks, months, and the scripture indicates why they followed him. He's a miracle worker. The songwriter said he's a promise keeper. You know he's a way maker. <laughs> yes, he is. They seen him give life to the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda. Perhaps they were aware of how he turned the water into wine when they ran out at the wedding. Maybe they have gotten news on how he had helped Jairus' daughters out. and Now he whispered in her ear and that young lady came back to life. They hear of Jesus' miracles. And quite frankly, if I was living during Jesus' day, I would have been in that crowd. The truth is, Jesus wants to do miracles in our lives. Some people do not believe that miracles still exist. Some people believe that was a different dispensation or a different time. But I believe with all of my heart tonight that the same miracle-working God who worked on the shores of Galilee is the same miracle-working God who can work here in Southern California and throughout the world. He's still in the miracle-working business. There are only two miracles who are recorded, that are recorded in all four Gospels. One is the most powerful of them all, it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, if there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ, then our preaching is in vain. If Christ did not resurrect from the dead, then our faith is in vain, and we are yet dead in our sins and our trespasses. There's no resurrection from the dead of the Lord Jesus Christ, then why is there a great crowd here tonight? Why do we sing? Why do we preach? Why do we pray? The truth is that Jesus Christ is alive tonight. Praise the Lord for that. There are many miracles recorded in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, but you will find in all four Gospels the feeding of the 5,000. I believe it is a miracle that does not get enough credit. It's in all four Gospels. I believe it is something that we have looked at even since we were children in Sunday school. We've heard the story so many times, and yet it is a story that grips even our adult hearts tonight. The fact that Christ would feed the 5,000. Please understand that in Matthew's Gospel, the Bible says there were 5,000 men besides that, women and children. And so we can take kind of a theological guess to tonight that there were at least, in my opinion, 15,000 people there, if not 20 to 25,000. There are thousands of people 
that have followed Jesus. Throughout this time, Jesus has sent the disciples in sets of two. And he says, I'm going to give you power over demons, and I'm going to give you power over diseases, and I'm going to give you power over illnesses. You call it in my name, I will perform it. Don't take anything with you. Uh, the people that receive you, just allow them to feed you and go into their houses and perform these miracles so that they would know that you are my disciples and you've taken up your cross and followed me. They come back and report to Jesus of the things that have happened. And now Jesus, he's exhausted because he's 100% man. Thank God he's 100% God. And the disciples are exhausted. And he said, let's, let's go apart into the mountain for a little bit and let's pray. Let's rest a little while. Well, the Bible says that that rest didn't last that long. Because you read in the different Gospels as they went to the other side of the Sea of Tiberias that a great multitude, a great company of people, these 20 to 25,000 people followed them. This is interesting because the disciples are tired. Jesus is tired. And what the disciples want at that time is to rest. Please understand that the Bible says that they're coming and going and they're doing miracles and they're preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the gospel and preaching the gospel. And the Bible says they didn't even have time to eat. They didn't even have time to eat. Could you imagine working all day for several days and not even having time to eat because people need something from you? And obviously, we understand that people need the gospel. People need the Lord. And the disciple spoke up and he said, we have a solution for the crowd that's here today. And here is the solution. The same thing you and I would have said. Send them away. <laughs> we want these people to get out of here, man. We've been helping these folks for so many days. They've been seeing the miracles. And now we want to rest a little bit. Send them away. We want a vacation for a little bit. But we see that that is not the heart of God. The Bible says in Mark's gospel that when Jesus saw the multitude, watch this church, he was moved with compassion because they were as sheep who had no shepherd. The book of Kings and Numbers and Ezekiel, God gives a graphic description on how he wants to be Israel's shepherd. These people are as sheep having no shepherd and and if you don't have a shepherd, you don't have anybody to clean you. As sheep, not having a the shepherd, they had nobody to, to pluck the, 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 the bugs and the thorns out of their wool. As sheep that didn't have a shepherd, they had nobody to protect them from the predators and the animals that would come in. Uh, it was very important for the sheep to have a shepherd. In Matthew chapter number 9, the Bible says that Jesus said in verse 35, he says, And Jesus went about the villages teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease among them, verse 36, but when he saw the multitude, the Bible says he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now understand that when the Bible says fainted, he's not talking about the physical weariness of the body. He said these multitudes are fainting because they're trying to 
keep the law of Moses and the teachings of the Pharisees and the scribes, and now they're scattered abroad. Their thinking is, maybe I can earn salvation or I can keep the law and earn a better standing with God. They're fainting in their mind and they're scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And God puts a premium on the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants the nations to know who Jesus is. He wants them to know the absolute truth in the word of God that Jesus Christ is not a way to God. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. He is the truth. He is the life. And when Jesus sees the multitudes, he begins to be moved with compassion and he begins to be moved with with, with sadness. And he says, listen, I want you to pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And the reason he wants us to go into the harvest is that we would preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 3.15, here's what he says. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you, how? With knowledge and understanding. God raises up pastors, leaders, mothers, fathers, Sunday school teachers, youth pastors, so that we can feed our children with knowledge and understanding. One of the saddest things is to know that people are lost, but the saddest thing is to know that they're lost and nobody's looking for them. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go with private pains, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cry. Only Jesus can hear. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. You say, how will we show the love of Christ? Oh, my brothers and sisters, we will feed the multitudes, yes. We've done several acts of kindness and liberty loves here and even the missionaries as they go out, the medical team and, and, and seeking healing for the physical body to the end that they would not be only satisfied in the body, but that they would be satisfied in the soul. And Jesus said, this bread that I'm going to give you is a temporal bread. It is like that bread that came down from those days of Moses. It's manna. If you don't eat it today, it's going to be full of worms tomorrow. And Jesus says, I am not that bread like Moses received that manna. Like, what is this? I am am the bread of life, and he that eateth of me shall never hunger or thirst again. And people need the bread of life, and the bread of life is Jesus Christ. Oh, they need him, friend. People are not an inconvenience to God. Send them away is the wrong attitude to have as servants of God. And I want to confess my sin tonight. I might as well, pastor did, only fools rush in and take my life and let it be, okay? When we got married, we had a different song, babe. You remember that song? You're my dun dun dun. Okay, that's a different message, but. People desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight, You may say, I feel like I inconvenience people sometimes. I have been the person who has been inconvenienced 
but many times I've been the person who has inconvenienced somebody. I'm ashamed to tell you tonight that I've had an attitude before, and I'll probably have it after, and I don't want to have it. You say you're tired, you're weary, and people need help. And my attitude sometimes is, Lord, send them away. If you're honest, you've probably had that same attitude before. And I love what Jesus does. He does not send them away. (laughs) How can I send the people away of whom I love with all of my heart? God loves people. People are not an inconvenience to God. God loves people. And people are not an inconvenience to God. He loves us. Would you notice the lad for a little bit? Look at verse number five and six, please. John six and verse five and six. The Bible says in verse five, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come to him, he saith unto Philip, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? So he's asking kind of a rhetorical question here. And verse six gives insight to this. What does the Bible said in verse number six? Ready, begin. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. In other words, he's just testing Philip. You know that Jesus already has this thing figured out. You understand that, right? How many of you believe in the omniscience of God tonight? Oh, yeah, I believe that God is sovereign. He's got everything planned out. But sometimes God will set a test out before us to prove us to see how much we've really learned. It's been said, hey, if the teacher is quiet, it doesn't mean that the teacher is absent. It just means the teacher has put us through a test. Every one of us have to go through a test to test our faith. If we say that God answers prayer, then tell me, my brothers and sisters, how are we going to find out that God answers prayer if there's never a problem, if there's never some, some type of a struggle, if there's never some type of a tribulation, if we've never been through anything, how do we know that God answers prayer? And so don't look at your life, don't look at your problem thinking, man, God has abandoned me. Oh, no. I'm telling you tonight, sister and brother, the God that saved you is the God that keeps you. He's the God who answers prayer. He's the God who sometimes will put a test out, will put a quiz out, and he'll say, son, I'm going to put you through this test. I'm going to put you through this quiz. No, I got this thing figured out, but I want to prove you. That's what God says. Please mark this down if you're taking notes. We will never have a problem greater than God's ability to solve it. We will never have a problem greater than God's ability to solve it. You say, well, prove it in the scriptures. All right. Genesis chapter number 12. You remember what happened in Genesis chapter number 12? The Bible says, get thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees. Who is he talking to in Genesis chapter number 12? Talk to me, church. He's talking to Abraham. Get out of your country. Get out with your family. Get out of your comfort zone, Steve. That's what he says. Abraham, I'm going to lead you to a land and to a place that you've never been before. Hebrews says he went out and didn't even know where he was going. God said, get up and get out. And we said, all right, girl, we got to get out of here. We said, where are we going? I don't know, but God's going to show us. You see the the sand that's underneath your feet? That's going to be the generation. You see the stars that are in the sky? That's going to be the generation 
the people that will be underneath you. I'm going to bless those that bless you, and I'm going to curse those that curse you, Abraham. It only took 10 chapters for God to prove him. Because in Genesis 22, you know what happens? The Bible says that Abraham takes his son, his only son, and his son's name is Isaac. And the Bible says that Isaac gets up that day and he says unto his father, he said, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Daddy, I see the fire. Daddy, I see the wood. But would you tell me where's, where's the burnt offering? To which Abraham responded, God will provide for him a sacrifice. God will provide for him a sacrifice. Jehovah Jireh, God provides. I don't know what circumstance you're in tonight, God's people, but I want to tell you tonight, God provides. I don't know what problem you're facing tonight, but I want to tell you, God's people, God provides. I want to tell you that God has provided for us in such a wonderful way that I never thought he, he would ever do in our life to come from where we come from. Uh, East 52nd Street, 27 and a half B is a long way to come down over here. I'm telling you, God will provide. God will provide. You say, we need some funds to get to the field. I want to tell you, missionary brothers and sisters, God will provide. You say, I wonder if my son's going to be protected on the mission field. God will provide. You say, I've been to the doctors. They give me this news that I was negative. I don't want to hear it. I want to say tonight, God will provide. God will provide. God will provide. Thank God for that. I want to say number two. Would you look at verse number nine, please? Verse number nine, the Bible says this. There is a lad here. So these guys try to get some solutions to this big problem, right? Send them away. That's the solution number one. Nope, doesn't please God. Solution number two, uh, well, if we had eight months worth of salary, you know, 200 penny worth, then we can go into the city and buy this bread. But who, who here has got 800 uh, eight months worth of salary. Isn't it funny how we think that money will solve all our problems sometimes? Can I get a witness on that right there? We think money is the solution to everything. Well, if we just had a, no. Then watch this, Brother Dave. The Bible says right here, Andrew, I believe, is the one who finds him. There is a lad here, the Bible says, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Would you write this down? It's not about what you have. It's about who you give it to. Would you write that down and let it marinate in your heart? It's not about what you have. It's about who you give it to. By the way, these loaves are not like huge loaves of bread. These loaves are small biscuits, I believe, maybe crackers, maybe some pickled fish. My wife and I were talking about this the other night. You know, it's interesting how God lists the, the genealogies and the chronicles. And you, you read that and you're kind of like, I don't even know who this person is. And this person begat this person, this person begat this person, this begat, begat, begat. And it's like four billion begats right there, right? You have no idea who these people are. Some of them you do. God, listen, God tells the good, the bad, and the ugly about everybody in the Bible. Yes or no? Aren't you glad you don't live in the Bible days? 
and God would have put you on blast. <laughs> he sure would have. He'd be like, man, I didn't want anybody to know that. All right. But this lad, Brother Todd, has to be the greatest, most famous, unknown character in all the Bible. It drives me crazy. It's like, I want to know the name of the lad. I want to know the name of the lad. What's the little kid's name? Why do you put Ahab? This guy's wicked. Jezebel, she's wicked. The list goes on and on, but, but the lad? You know, if you have children tonight, let's just be real. Let's break it down in modern day, right? We're not packing, you know, loaves and fishes. We're packing like a Lunchable and like some Oreos. Can I get an amen right there? I don't see a little kid just being willing to give up their lunch. I don't see that. Especially if they're hungry. Some of us don't get hungry, some of us get hangry. Yeah, that's right. Can you imagine the tension with kids when they start getting hungry? <laughs> like, be quiet, we're almost at McDonald's. How much longer? It's right around the corner, five minutes. <laughs> they're like they've never ate their whole lives. May I remind you that the day is far spent right here in the scripture. They've been listening to Jesus teach about the things of God all day. And now it's the sun's starting to go down and their stomachs are growling. And Andrew says, hey, little dude. Hey, little guy, would you, uh, <laughs> I see what you got right there. The lad didn't need a miracle. Stay with me. The lad didn't need a miracle. He had his food. He was taken care of. He might have had a cracker for him, his sister, his mama, his dad. They were planning to go back to Galilee, wherever they came from. He didn't need a miracle. But I'm glad that the lad was willing to give up of his lunch. And he said, here you go. I don't know who this guy is. But if he's going to give it to that man right there, the man who calls the blinded eyes to see, the man who resurrects the dead uh, uh, from the graves, the man who calls the lame to walk, the man, I'm telling you, that man right there who's teaching with the authority of God upon his life. I'm going to give it to you, and you say you're going to give it to him, and then something big's going to happen. That lad had no idea what Jesus was getting ready to do in his life that day. And I'm telling you tonight, you may have no idea what God will do with your lunch. You may look at your family and think you're insignificant. You may look at your pedigree and think there's really nothing there. You may look at your education and think, man, I wish I had more accolades and more PhDs and more, you know, masters and all these things. I wish I was intelligent. I wish I knew how to sing. I wish I knew how to preach. I wish I was a doctor like so-and-so. I wish I could do this. I wish I could build those trellises out there. I wish I knew a little bit about life. And God says, listen, it's not about what you have. It's about who you give it to. That's what God says tonight. <laughs> Woo! My goodness. Moses lifted up that rod. The power wasn't in that rod. When that sea began to split, Moses didn't say, man, I'm glad I got me a rod. No. Moses said, I'm glad that I have God. That's what Moses said. 
Oh, that widow that the Bible tells me about, that the creditors were coming to take her sons and put them into slavery. That woman said, I'm going to obey the voice of the prophet of the man of God. And she began to scoop out the oil enough to pay her debts. And when she kept going to that cruise of oil, the oil would multiply and multiply and multiply. It wasn't about the widow. It wasn't about her sons. But that story is about the power of God tonight, church. You put a basketball, where is he tonight? He's probably working on the nachos. Then I'll roast him. Put a basketball in Ryan Cavan's hand. He's probably not going to go to the NBA. I love him, I can say that. You put it in my hand, I can't do anything either. But if you put a basketball in the hands of the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant, then you'll have several championships. If you put a baseball, in my, a baseball bat in my hands, first of all, I'm terrible at baseball. Anybody who knows me knows that. There's no way I can hit a home run. Are you kidding me? Ball's flying by at 80 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour. But if you put a baseball bat into the hands of King Griffey Jr., now you're talking. If you put a football in my hands, I may be able to throw from here to like where Alex Park is sitting at right there, nailing right in the head. I can't throw a football. But if you put a football in the hands of Tom Brady, now you're talking about several championships. See, what God wants you to understand is that you and I must take our hands off of our lives and put ourselves into the hands of God. Because when we get into God's hands, then he can feed the multitudes. That's an incredible thing. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised, God had chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are. Why did God do this? Verse 29 says that no flesh should glory in his presence. Verse 30, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus. And of God is made unto, unto wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Verse 31, that is according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. I like what John Rice said about this. He said, God could better use Paul with a thorn in the flesh than without it. Praise the Lord for that. I want you to see number three, and I'm done tonight. Look at John chapter 6, verse number 12 and 13. John chapter 6 and verse number 12 and verse 13. The Bible says in verse 12, when they were filled, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. I want you to understand tonight that God is the God of structure and God is the God of order. He made them sit down in companies of fifties and hundreds, and then God blessed it. it. Means he thanked God for it, and then he broke it, and then he said it before. And that's a different sermon for a different time. 
you want God to use you, you must have the blessing of God. You must be willing to be broken. It must be willing to be set before. And the Bible says that he delegated. He gave his disciples that bread. That's a beautiful picture of the ministry, is it not? That God would give you bread and allow you to feed others. And the Bible says this in verse 13. Therefore they gathered together and they were filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Number three, and I'm done. As ministers of God's grace and his gospel, when we take care of others, we must understand that God will take care of us. God will take care of you. After they had fed everyone, don't you think that the disciples were hungry? They were hungry. Of course, you know this. There were 12 baskets left over. Tofinos. That means they had the 12 lunch bags ready. How do you think the disciples felt after the multitudes were fed and they noticed the 12 bags full of fish, full of bread? Could you imagine the excitement? Their facial expression like, what did we just do? What did we just see? He gave, and then we gave it out. He gave, and then we gave it out. He gave, and we gave it out. He gives, and we give out. He gives, and then we give out. He gives mercy, and we extend mercy. He gives grace, and we extend grace. He gives love, and we extend love. Oh, he gives money too. Yes, he does. Do you think God has blessed you financially for you to fill your pockets? No. God has blessed you financially for you to take care of what you got to take care of, but then to look around and say, Lord, give me spiritual eyes so that I can be a blessing to others. Serving God. Wonder if God will take care of me. God says, you take care of others. And you rest assured that I will take care of you. <laughs> little lad, his lunch in the lot. Now come with me just for a little bit. As I talk about another lad, just give me about 30 seconds. This little lad... His mother is blessed and highly favored. This little lad was born of a virgin. This little lad was not born in a royal palace, but in a lonely major. This little lad grows up with his stepfather. He learns the trade of carpentry. He knows what it's like to work with hammers and nails, with wood, he knows what it's like to work with metals, sharp stones. One day they take the little lad to a feast in Jerusalem and he sit down amongst the teachers of the law and he's teaching with great authority and they're amazed. 
Now this lad has increased with, in wisdom and in knowledge, with favor in God and with man and in stature. They come back after a couple of days, a day's journey, and they said, where were you? And he told them, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? He gets to about the age of 30. He calls these men to be with him. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He performs some of the miracles we talked about tonight. See, he's not just a little lad, but he's Lord. He didn't come just to give his lunch. He came to give his life. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I thirst. Not a bone of him was broken that the scripture might be fulfilled. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. A crown of thorns upon his brow. Beaten, scourged, bloodied. Who hath believed our report? He was chastised, and wounded for our transgressions. It pleased God to bruise him, and with the stripes we are healed. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ took my place upon the cross. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ was buried in a borrowed tomb. I'm thankful that three days later, Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. That very same Jesus who left in the cloud that day will in like manner return for us one day. Now he says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me of the resurrected Christ. I like what the songwriter says. I wasn't there on the shores of Galilee where Jesus touched those blinded eyes and made them see. And I wasn't there when Jesus resurrected and I've never seen the empty tomb. But I know what Jesus did for me that day. I believe that there's power in the blood of the lamb. I believe that there's healing in the touch of his hands. But the greatest of all miracles was when Jesus saved my soul. For I know what Jesus, Jesus, Jesus did for me, praise God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ ought to motivate all of us to tell this lost and dying world that there's hope in God. There's hope. Bring your lunch to him and watch him do incredible things. You don't even have any idea what God would do with someone tonight who says, I'm absolutely willing to give my lunch to Jesus. You'll be amazed at what God can do. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.